Hey folks, it's Tarzan Boy here and King from the Vapor Review Blog here with episode number 9 with our friend from Vapor Genie, Dan. Uh, hey Dan, why don't you give yourself a welcome? Hi, how are you doing? Glad to be here today. Thanks for being here, Dan. Uh, really excited today to talk about one of your new products. I think everyone's pretty much familiar with Vapor Genie, the company uh, by and far from their classic pipe design. I think everyone's kind of familiar with that uh, original shaped pipe. I think it was uh, designed to be used with a big lighter. Is that correct, Dan? Yeah, that was the original lighter design. Uh, yeah. That was the original design that we had. We used a big lighter, but it doesn't have to be used with a big lighter. But no, I, I know I like that design too because like a lot of people that are first getting into vaporizers, often you know they're looking for something a little bit affordable, and um, you know the price point on the original Vapor Genie is often you know looked at as as a as a great entry point. Right. Yeah. I designed it to be inexpensive. Um, you know, when I was originally thinking about vaporizers. 11 years ago, I wanted one that was inexpensive because I'm just an occasional smoker, not a heavy smoker, very occasionally. So I wanted something inexpensive, portable, but still effective. Nice. And then, I mean, going on to sort of building on that original design, you know, you guys put out a glass Sherlock, which really, like, made me kind of jealous right there. Maybe we try that thing out. I've seen a couple of videos of some people pulling some really nice thick vapor out of that one. Um, what, what sort of inspired the glass Sherlock design? Well, the glass Sherlock was designed with um, a, a gentleman named Guy Thomas in uh, Vancouver, Canada. He contacted me and said he ha he wanted to de design a glass one, and we worked on it together. He came up with a lot of innovations for it, um, but we worked on it together over a period of about eight months. That was back in, I believe, 2008 or 2009, nice. and it's 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 one of our most popular products. Um, it's a fantastic product, and we still buy the glass Sherlock uh, parts from Guy Thomas. We have a Canadian patent that covers that pipe, and we have basically given the Canadian market to Guy. And you know, we have a business arrangement where he handles a lot of the Canadian uh, business. Now, I, one of the, the really nice aspects of that glass piece is you can actually see the vapor flowing through. And I know that's one of maybe not one of the, the big complaints about the original design, but actually having to remove the cap and check the you know the quality of herbs to see how well they vaporize, as opposed to the glass one where you can see the vapor coming through and know you know that you're still getting a decent quality hit. I think that's really speaks wonders for the improvements that you guys have made on uh, the original design there. Glass cool. Thanks. Yeah, I, I I really like the glass. It's one of my one of my favorite pipes, for sure. Cool. And then, um, you know, going along the line, I saw that you guys had an aluminum and a glass vat as well. Um, really cool that you guys are innovating. Um, but really focusing on today's episode, I wanted to discuss maybe your new venture towards the battery-operated units, specifically the Volta. Uh, I know that's the, the latest one that you guys had announced. Um, maybe I could just kind of jump into one question about the, the actual name itself and where that was drew inspiration from. Um, it was uh, somebody on uh, the fuck combustion forums that suggested it in honor of Alessandro Volta, the inventor of the battery. He invented the voltaic pile, and I thought it was a great name, and I'm a science nerd, and uh, I was very familiar with Alessandro Volta's work from hundreds of years ago, so I thought it was a great name. That is cool. I, I like the, the interactivity with the community, uh, you know, generating feedback. Is that something that you guys had done with the initial? I know there was actually a couple of implementations, and I want to jump around too much, but did you guys, you know, uh, 
send out demo units to some of the members of the FC community to draw feedback and some comments. We did, yeah. Uh, this past summer, in I think it was June, we built a hundred uh, like beta version units, and I, you know, we sold those, and I sent a bunch of free samples to people on, on the FC forums, and they provided their feedback. Um, the feedback mainly concerned a couple things, you know, charring of the wood and the necessity of adding a screen. So we did that, uh, and we made a couple other small improvements too. Like, for example, uh, the LED indicator now has two separate lights, which makes it easier to understand what's happening with the battery, especially for people that are colorblind. Those are the, those are the three main changes. We added mica insulators, uh, a mouthpiece screen, and a battery, battery, battery indicator that's colorblind friendly. I wanted to, to comment at least on the color of one aspect. I saw the user over on FC mention um, a little bit about like whether it was he or someone that was related to him having issues with seeing the color green. Uh, right. My wife too had just mentioned that you know the differentiation between red and green can somewhat be a little challenging. So it's, it's right. good to hear that you guys have addressed that issue and are are looking to the community and trying to actually you know reach out across everyone whether you know they have visual impairments or not. Satisfaction like satisfaction is our goal. <laughs> we're, we're always, we always seek out uh, feedback and opinions from our customers. I'm always looking for ways to try to improve our products. And I, I like that really too. And uh, you know, complimenting like the great woodwork. I'm looking at the product right here. I know you guys listening on the air can't actually see me, but um, initially, and one of the things that Dan had mentioned, um, there right now sitting on my product is a bamboo lid. And um, you know, the the change from a glass to a bamboo uh, lid not only I think helps bring down the price point but also you know helps with durability of this product. Now we're looking at something you can hear it. It'll, it'll be able to drop down from a short fall and you won't risk you know chipping or cracking your glass lid. So another right. good idea there. Yeah it's, it's cheaper and pretty much indestructible and it also uh, holds the heat in the in the Volta better. So you lose less heat to the environment and that uh, makes your battery last longer. And that's what the uh, that's what the mica on the inside of it does as well. I, I haven't I haven't seen that change yet. But for those who don't know, mica is an uh, it's a naturally occurring mineral that acts as an insulator. Uh, I know it's used in a lot of consumer electronics, especially things like toasters and toaster ovens. So that's not uncommon. So that was one one reason why I wanted to design the Volta. I, I you know there's only one other portable wooden vaporizer on the market. I really like designing with wood. Um, yeah, I think wood's beautiful and fun to work with. It has its limitations, but uh, I wanted to make a battery-powered wood va vaporizer. Um, nice. And and without like mentioning names and names, but uh, I mean, it's it's hard to say. You know, it's without uh, there's not many vaporizers in the market. I should say that um, that are made of wood. So right. uh, kind of revealing there that the MFLB may have been uh, inspiration on the design. Oh, um, it was. Yeah, it was. That that's that's a very cleverly designed product. Uh, I admire those guys and, and their design. That was very good. Um, however, there were a few things that I, I wanted to improve upon. Uh, they're a wonderful product. I wanted to add a switch. I, I didn't like the, the battery push in and pull out control, so I wanted to add a switch. I wanted to have a battery that lasted longer, provided more power, that got up to higher temperatures. Um, so that was one. Of, those were some of the reasons why I used the uh, lithium iron phosphate battery instead of nickel metal hydride. Yeah, that battery is probably one of the biggest aspects that you'll tell right away when you pick up this device. The the battery takes about I would say half of the um the six the total six inches uh like length of the uh the vaporizer. It's mostly yeah. just battery. 
Yeah, lithium iron, lithium iron phosphate batteries do not fuck around. They're wonderful batteries. Uh, very high energy density, provide high voltage. So you, and the high voltage means that it heats up fast, and you can go to a high temperature. But the heating element has to be appropriately designed to match the voltage provided from the battery. So that's why, that's why we use that long corrugated foil. And Dan, would you mind telling us more about the battery capacity? Thirteen hundred milliampere hours is the is the the current capacity of the battery, and as as you cycle the battery between charge and discharge states, the capacity of the battery degrades slightly over time. How many um, how many you know individual draws could a user expect on a fully charged battery? Uh, oh, how many draws? How many vapor? Yes, if you, if you know that offhand. Uh, I think you know my experience about twenty to thirty-five or so. Not bad, and kind of depending on what you call a draw. Our battery should last longer, both because it stores more energy and can go to a higher temperature, but it also heats up quite fast. So the the fast heating means that you lose using less power per draw. Because you're not because you're not waiting as waiting for the temperature to get up to vaporization temperature. You're just kind of hitting it and going for it. Now, um, I know convection, everyone knows, it's heating the air flow past the herbs, whereas conduction actually is using a heated surface or a heating element and allowing them to actually touch the, the herbs. Right. So in, in this case, this is a pure conduction vaporizer, correct? Yeah, but you know, when you use a device like the Volta or, or the Magic Flight, you know, the best way to use it is to shake it. And one of the interesting things about that is that if, if you can shake the device, then it becomes kind of a quasi-convection uh, vaporizer because the particles are being moved around and the air is being heated up. So the particles of herb and the air, hot air, are being mixed. So it's kind of a quasi-convection vaporizer, I guess you could say, if you shake it. No, I, I definitely have I've adapted that routine of shaking it right here. And most users, um, I think typically when you're holding the Magic Flight, you would hold it flat. Um, and I know people aren't able to see me right here. But whereas you would hold the Volta more like a gun in, in this yeah. case, and you would be able to shake it. I think it's more of like a natural fluid motion like this, whereas the Magic Flight, you're kind of jerking forward this box in a, in a weird, uncomfortable manner. I, I really like the way that it sort of just you know shakes in my hand quite naturally. And, um, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And the switch provides instant power control. You can you can add just a little bit of extra power if you want to get it a little bit hotter. The switch allows you to easily do that. That that was another good point that I, I wanted to I keep on wanting to bring back community feedback whenever whenever you make a point and I and I had read something about it. Um, I know, you know arthritic users, medical users, something like the MFLB again. If you're pushing in a device, you might have to remove that rubber stopper in order to. You know, enjoy it, but then at the same time, you risk it staying on. Um, I, you know, the spring right here is doesn't have a lot of resistance on it. I think you know someone with um, that suffers from arthritis won't find this too difficult to use, um, but definitely less resistance than that rubber stopper in say the, the MFLB. So yeah, nice. I didn't. I, I wanted to make sure that it was easy to press and it wasn't annoying to hold down. You know, but it still has to 100% of the time disconnect when you need it to. So I think that the switch works very well. We ha well, haven't had any problems or, or had anybody contact us about switch jamming or anything like that. What What were some of the hurdles that you that you came across when you were designing the Volta? Uh, I mean, I know there's a lot of community feedback that shaped what it is today, but but even before you got to that point, there there must have been features that you were that you were trying to get to work, or maybe things that you didn't know would work that are now you know standard features. 
Oh, it, it was a lot of work. I, I spent over a year uh, designing it. Uh, I have boxes and boxes of prototypes and different designs that didn't work. Uh, I was testing different geometries, how to arrange the battery relative to the foil. Uh, we had to build our own machine to to corrugate the foil because that's not available. You can only get the flat foil, so I had to build a machine to do that. Um, the switch design was tricky. Um, it's just it was just a lot of work. <laughs> how much how much experience I spent a lot do you have of time designing spent, something I, like this? I spent a lot of time in my machine shop. Are you a, are you an engineer uh, Dan, by trade or um... uh, I I have a degree in physics, but I'm a lifelong tinkerer. So, you know, I've worked in research labs and and uh, I know how to use tools and stuff. I've I've spent my whole life building things and tinkering and inventing stuff. So one other follow up question. I know you mentioned that corrugated metal and that may have just been a question for some people. Is that also made of brass or what is that uh, what metal is that made of? Uh, that the corrugated metal is a very special metal. Um, it's a relatively recent introduction to heating elements. Um, it's made of an alloy called uh, fecroloy, iron chromium aluminum alloy. It has very high electrical resistance, um, very high oxidation resistance. And one of the interesting things about it is, is that it can be rolled into thin sheets, thin foils. So this foil is uh, about 2,007 inch thick, which is about the right thickness that you want to get for the resistance that's needed for the battery. Um, so it's electrical resistance heating foil. It's it's made for a lot of different types of electrical heating applications and ovens and heaters and things. Well, that, that's an exclusive right there because I think in all the publications I've read and I've tried to find out about that heating coil, this is actually the first mention of what exactly the uh, you know, material is made of. So thank you, Dan. Yeah, it's 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 a relatively little known alloy, and um, it's very unusual to find it in, in thin foils like that. It's not very many applications where thin foils like that. that that material needed, so it took a little while to find. I investigated all the different possibilities, and fecroloy foil was the clear, the clear choice. One other thing, the uh, the switch on the Volta is made of uh, phosphor bronze, so it's almost pure copper. So that's why it's red. It's not plated or anything. It's actually, yeah, it looks well. At least what I'm looking at it right now, it looks like very like copperish, like it would be a penny or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's because it, you know, you need to have a good electrical conductor there. Yep. So yeah, no complaints on the design. Um, one other point that I wanted to make, you know, this compression and um, and portability. These are two things that often will be seen as factors when making a uh, a vaporizer purchase. This is six inches long. You know, it's it's not necessarily discreet. If you're, uh, you know, walking around the street, you might divert some eyes. They would be looking <laughs> your way when mm -hmm. you pull out this box, but. Let's be honest right here. If you're using this in like your your, uh, your campsite in your tent, you know, um, at your friend's house, there there's plenty of uh, places for this to be used. But um, I would definitely you know caution you from trying to use this out in public because you know it does you know, have a little bit of uh, some draw to it. And so so here we have we have a we have this short circuit essentially being made um, using the heating coil and your LiFePo battery, lithium iron phosphate battery. You know, what is, uh, I, I hate to kind of again throw you on the spot right here, but have you guys approximated any average heat range that the uh, the trench or bowl is able uh, able to achieve? It'll it'll go up to a little bit over 400. Um, you know, I, I've measured 425, 430 right up against the coil. Um, I mean, it can even go a little bit higher than that. I mean, it can go excessively hot if you hold the switch down. Would your unit also uh, have the ability to combust if you kept it down long enough? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're using it, you need to not hold on to the switch indefinitely. Yeah, so that's a word of caution like any vaporizer. There's a learning curve. Right. I mean, there's there's no temperature control. There's no feedback temperature control, and that's why the price is so low. You'll notice that vaporizers that have uh, temperature feedback control, you know, that requires electronics, it requires a microprocessor and sensors. Um, that makes it expensive. It makes engineering a lot more difficult. All the component cost goes way up. Uh, and then you need to have electronics that control the battery power. Um, you know, that's why those vaporizers cost $250 and up. And that's why that's one of the reasons why ours costs 110, because we you know we're we're depending on the user to to implement that temperature control. And in my opinion, I prefer that. I you know for me, I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on a on a little vaporizer that I can lose or break or, or whatever. Um, and I want to be able to have manual control. It's, it's it's just the way that I operate. Yeah, keep it simple, and you know, keeping down the cost of parts. And in the end, the user gets to dictate. You know the actual temperature. I, I like it. It's, right. Like you said, simple design, effective, and, and even has a little steampunkish kind of look to it. Uh, I know it came with a sticker. I wanted to spice my bolt up. I put it in the back to give it a little personal flair. But yeah. oh, cool. Yeah, that looks that looks great. Yeah. No, I I really went for a steampunk aspect uh, look to it. Um, I I like that kind of aesthetic, and I like simple mechanical things where you can just look at it and kind of understand how it works. So you mentioned uh, that you that you enjoy working with wood, and that's part of the reasons that you decided to make the the volt out of wood. And I I don't recall seeing are do, are you going to be offering any uh, any exotic or, or custom wood options for the Volta? Uh, I haven't really thought of that. I mean, maybe I'm I'm not opposed to it. We'll have to see how sales go, and you know how much interest there is. We don't make the wood parts at our facility, mm -hmm. so yeah, that might be kind of difficult. But we could do small runs of particular types of wood. Um, however, some types of wood don't work well with the Volta because the wood that's used in the Volta has to have, uh, you know, a fairly high temperature resistance. Hard maple works well for that, and that's why we use hard maple. Um, I inadvertently made some out of uh, poplar once, and that did not work so well. Uh, poplar, you know, chars very easily. Um, so you can't make it out of poplar, but, you know, there may be some other woods that are useful. I, there's, I haven't tried them all. seems to be a popular choice. Uh, you see things like a lot of log vaporizers, the Magic Flight. Um, I think the Vapman offers something in Walnut. And it's also a gorgeous wood. Yeah, Walnut, I think, would probably work well. But that's but always I, I have a fun not option to, to customize. Yeah. Yeah, Walnut, Walnut would probably work well. I like Walnut. So I, I see that... Uh, one of the things, and this is something that uh, the Tarzan had had brought up to me earlier before the podcast as well. How do you how do you go about announcing your new product launches? Because I know that the Volta has been a work in progress. It's been a very very public beta where where people can see the progress. So once you're ready to actually launch it, you know what do you do to announce that to everybody and let everyone know that it's a final final production model? Well, uh, we don't do very much. <laughs> we, we put it on our website, and we included it in our latest Rolling Stone ad. <laughs> that's, that's about it. And, well, and, I, and I, I think I posted something on, um, on Fuck Combustion. Okay. So that, that's, that was our marketing campaign. You know, I, I think this looking at what the kind of service that we provide King to, I think like these podcasts also sort of help um, you know manufacturers, designers get the word out to their uh, right. the customers yeah. as well. So yeah, this is really great. I really appreciate you guys doing this, and 
And uh, you know, we we do depend on you know bloggers and podcast people and you know reviewers to to get the word out about our products. You know, at Vapor Genie, we we don't like to spend a lot of money on marketing. It's just it's just not really what we do. I I want to spend money on on tools and building things and parts and and that sort of thing. I I don't like to spend a lot of money on marketing. Well, if it's but, a good that, product, that, it should speak for itself. That yeah, I mean that's not always the case, but that's kind of like how I like to approach things. You know, I I, I want to have our products sell themselves, I guess you could say. Shifting the focus a little bit more on you, Dan, what what vaporizers did you use before before the Volta or before the Vapor Genie? I know before the Vapor Genie there probably wasn't too much to use, but but what have you used? What do you what do you enjoy? I'm just a very occasional smoker. Um, and, you know, I, I use our Vapor Genie products. Usually the glass or the bronze are my favorites. If if it's windy outside, um, you know, I'll, I'll use the Volta. That's one of the big you know benefits of a battery powered vaporizer. Um, you know, the tolerance to wind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it. We have another uh, experimental unit that we're developing. It's kind of a heater unit. It's an electrically powered heater unit that can attach to any of our pipes with a screw thread. Oh. And it, plug, it plugs into the wall, and you just press a button, and it gets hot within a few seconds. That's cool. Interesting. Very nice. Yeah. It's, um, if, you keep, if you keep your eye open on some of our um, soon-to-be-published patent applications, you'll... Uh, you can read a description of what it is and how it works, but and we're working on that. We're, we should be launching that uh, sometime in 2014, I believe. So now you've, um, you've so heard that's... it first right there. We're going to be starting to go to the government websites and officially looking for patents on all vaporizers <laughs> for news and exclusives. Patents are, patents are a great place to learn about, you know, what different companies are doing for real. Right. That, that, that is a great, great tool right there. Well, there's, good, uh, I mean. I, I filed for a patent on the Volta uh, this past summer, and that, that patent application is going to be published uh, in the next few months. It might, might be already. I'm not sure. All right. Congratulations on that, too. Now, for those Thanks. that don't yeah. know, Dan has a lot of experience with patents from, from previous work. Uh, so that's, that's one of the reasons that you have so many of the patents under your name is that you, you have a lot of experience with filing for the patents and, and how to properly do it. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, my before starting Vapor Genie, my previous career was as a patent agent, which means that I would represent clients before the Patent and Trademark Office, just like a patent attorney would write patent applications for them. A lot of my clients were high-tech companies and universities, so I've written many, many patents. So, uh, so now I just write patents for our vaporizers so <laughs> and what, other inventions. What shocks you the most about the vaporizer industry? What have you learned that, that you didn't expect going into this industry? Um, gosh, I don't know. Uh, well, I've been really pleasantly surprised with the growth of the vaporizer industry and the interest in vaporizers. Um, you know, when I started the business, I had a feeling that that might happen because it really seemed like the way of the future. And after reading about how they work and and trying some of the very first vaporizers myself and, and building some, I, you know, I, I thought, wow, there's really something to this. Vaporizers are wonderful. Because um, I I don't like smoke I don't tolerate it I I cough a lot it really irritates irritates me so you know at years ago I, that was one of the reasons why I just never smoked is because I couldn't tolerate the smoke hated it you so, know we're on the same page there I I know that the Tarzan may disagree with me but I that's one of the primary reasons why I don't smoke right it's, yeah so you know so 
when I originally built the, the first Vapor Genie prototype, which was from parts from the hardware store, it worked and it provided a wonderful flavor, a very smooth vapor. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. And it's, you know, that, that's why I started the company. So are, are you, is it just you and the company, or how big is the, the shop that you guys have over there? Uh, we have uh, uh, six employees, most of whom work part-time. We're pretty relaxed. We don't have a date where people, or a time where people have to be there. Um, you know, we're pretty chill. All right. So this, uh, I mean, everybody in your company embodies the whole vaporizer philosophy, or is, I mean, it sounds like you guys are, are out here to make a product that you stand behind. It's like you're not in it for the quick buck. It sounds like you want to actually, like, improve the community, help people, you know, enjoy their herbs, the taste of it, and, you know, the added health benefits. Well, in integrity is very important to me. So, you know, I want to run a well-run company that has integrity, that's honest, produces good products. Um, so I, I try to keep all my employees uh, healthy and happy. Everybody gets health insurance and is properly, fairly compensated with a living wage, that sort of thing. So I like to make it a fun, interesting, enjoyable place to work. Cool. And I'm um, just taking a look at maybe your product line. Um, I know probably the classic may be your most popular, but is is it now the uh, maybe the the glass one? Is that your most popular unit, or? Well, we sell more of the uh, classics, but as far as our you know, premium pipes go. The glass is definitely up there, and it's one of the most talked about. Um, it seems to have the highest um, satisfaction ratings or whatever. Not that we keep objective numbers on that, but people really love it, and you know, it, 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 there's a lot of traffic in the in the glass Virginia pipe. People really like it. The hand carved pipes are also really popular. I, I don't know. I, I I couldn't point one out. You know. But I'd say the hand carbs and the glass are the most popular, and the, the coil pipes and aluminum bat are the, are the least. Okay. What advice do you have for, for brand new Vapor Genie and Volta owners? So someone who buys either product, what, what would you want to make sure that everyone knows going into it so that they have the best experience? Um, well, for you know Vapor Genie-style flame-powered pipes, it's important to grind up your herb and not pack it. Um, use a, a flame of the appropriate size. And and not have the flame flicker around, but have it you know have the it, it bending over gently without flickering, you know have the the flame flow in a laminar way. That'll give you the best best results. And pay attention to the mouth sensations and flavors as you're smoking it, so you get a feel for how much flame to apply and how fast to inhale. <laughs> for the Volta, you know I'd say it's very important to shake it and grind up your herb. Uh, learn how long to hold the switch down to get the right temperature. And I believe you have a very, very important warning about discharging the batteries. I know when we spoke about this earlier, you were very adamant about proper care of the batteries. Oh, right. Yeah, um, that's that's true. Um, the, the batteries are lithium iron phosphate, and one of the characteristics of lithium iron phosphate batteries, um, and this is true of all lithium iron phosphate batteries, is that they will be damaged if they're completely discharged. So if the voltage goes below about 1.5 or 1.6 volts, they will be damaged. Um, so that's one of the reasons why we have a battery indicator. It turns red at about 2.3 volts, which is far above the level where the battery will be damaged. But it's important that people be alerted that the battery is getting discharged to the point where it, it needs to stop being used and needs to be recharged. Um, and at the, when the when the red light comes on on the battery indicator, the battery is about 95% discharged. All the pretty much all the energy is gone anyway, so it's time to recharge it. 
So that red light is to warn people, don't keep discharging it because you'll damage the battery. And if and if people do damage their batteries, they're they're fairly inexpensive to replace. How much is it that they cost again? I, I think we sell them for four dollars a piece. Okay, so the it's not the end of the world if the damage if the battery gets damaged, but it's it's very very yeah. easy to avoid that. Right, and everything about this design looks pretty modular. I see screws that you know they easily be uh, taken out with the hex wrench. Um, so is that the case right there, Dan? Uh, you made this design like even the mouthpiece. It looks like you can order replacements for the bamboo lid. Looks like you can order replacements right. for. Yeah, I, w I wanted to make it so that you know if. People use it a lot, and it gets dirty, or something happens, like they spill a drink on it, or you know, it gets soaking wet, or something like that. That they can easily replace it and rebuild it themselves. So, we're going to be selling the bases and all the components, you know, a la carte. You can just buy whatever part you need and, and put it back together. You don't have to buy a whole new unit for hundred dollars or whatever. And if you know, if you use it a lot and it gets so gunked up and dirty that you just want to replace it. Um, maybe you're going traveling, you don't want to have a dirty pipe with you or whatever, then you can just buy the base and, and replace it. Hmm. Now, this doesn't seem like something that would need a warranty. Again, low, no microprocessor, no, nothing really that's going to break. Let's be honest here. There's nothing that's, that, that would be at fault. Do you guys, did you guys feel the need to offer a warranty in this unit, or are you just going to be offering replacement pieces like a la carte? Um, well, it, we'll, we'll handle that on a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, we provide a lifetime warranty for all our products, you know, against unreasonable failures, you know, product defects, things like that. Um, so, you know, that's just our, our company policy to support our products. No, that's good peace of mind for a customer that they know that they, you know, if anything should go wrong, that they can always right. come back to you. Right. But we have had a couple cases, you know, where things screw up. And, you know, uh, we had one case where the, where the battery came out, or not the battery, the, the magnet came out. And we, you know, we sent, we sent the base to the customer, and they were able to take all the screws out and reassemble it without any trouble. So we said, hey, thank you very much for saving us all these, all these parts. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, that's, yeah. I like that part of the design. Uh, one other part of design, I, I keep on cutting you off, King, but I really want to mention it right there because we'll probably forget about it, is actually the size of the bowl. And I know we've done a couple of podcasts. I'm not going to mention specific names, um, but some of, like, maybe the, the the breaking points I find for some of these vaporizers and the expensive models is just that they hold too much. And when we're, you know, not everyone's going to require, like, 0 0.3, 0 0.5, or uh, a very large packing of herbs. So... Uh, Dan, just your opinion right here. Is this this is something that can work, you know, from a small range up to a large range? And your bowl size right here, I had some some numbers. I think it, it could fit approximately 0.5 grams, but you wouldn't want to necessarily do that since you would sort of uh, you would maybe restrict the airflow a little bit too much. Yeah, that that's true. You want to be able to like have the herbs circulate around when you shake it and create good mixing between the herbs and the air. So you don't want to fill it up all the way because you'll it'll wind up burning. It'll, op it'll operate too much like a pure conduction vaporizer. And, and I, maybe the point that I wanted to make right there is that there really is no minimum, whereas we see it on some expensive vapes that they just will not perform. Even conduction-wise, they won't perform well at all unless they're packed to um, you know, a capacity that's much greater than we might even need. Whereas oh, really? it's something like yeah, yeah. Whereas it's something Weird. like the Volta, yeah, it's unfortunate, really. I find it's it's more of a design flaw. Uh, I I know King and I have mentioned some some advice to these manufacturers about how to improve their product, but uh, most of the time, user feedback is just end up sticking another screen in there, like aftermarket third-party solution, and and trying to just reduce the space of the bowl. 
Whereas your your Volta right here, there there may be all the space, uh, extra space, but if you want to vaporize 0.1 uh, grams, then you're able to do so with the same efficiency and same results as uh, 0.3. So yeah, it's, absolutely. It's designed to be functional empty space, Tarzan. That's what it is. That, that's yeah, that's a good, a very good, eloquent use of words right there. Good. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you found that. I I found the same thing. It just you can put in pretty much almost any amount that you want as long as you don't fill it up all the way, and it pretty much works the same. The uh, the temperature isn't that much of a function on how much you put in. It's more of a function of how much you hold the switch down. So, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention is that the foil is quite durable. Even though it's thin, it's it, it's a very resilient and strong material. So, it, for example, to clean it out, yeah, to clean out the bowl, it, right? you can flick it. Yeah, you're not going to damage the foil by doing that. Um, and even if something were weird to happen to the foil and it needed to be replaced, you know, we, we, we sell those for just a couple bucks and you can replace it. Not a big deal. So you just, just flick it and it cleans all the bits off the, off the heating element. That's really cool. I, you know, I, I hadn't thought about this when we were going into this podcast and when we had spoken earlier, but the, the Volta is truly the klutz's vaporizer. <laughs> nothing, nothing can really go wrong with it. Like, yeah, I was trying to like put my mind, always trying to think about where a vaporizer would be most ideal for the user. And this is something that, you know, you go hiking, I know it has to be recharging, but assuming you're going on a day hike, you, you drop this thing on a rock, you drop it down a you know, path or something like that, this is not going to break on you. It's a nice, durable design. It'll, it's right. Helpful. Yeah, that, and you know, I wanted to build something that people would not be afraid to take out of their home, take camping, or whatever, do whatever with. Because it's not that expensive, and it's not going to break, even if you drop it or step on it or whatever. And and I know we keep on talking about the enhancements you made, but that going back to that mica, um, the the insulator right there, that's really going to do wonders, at least to address the wood charring issue that I had found too. So that's that's great that you guys again mm -hmm. using the feedback and um, making improvements on the design to make a better product. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, glad you appreciate that. There really isn't that much to damage on the on the Volta, and that's that's by far my favorite part. Yeah, uh, I can think of myself going kayaking, not being afraid of using this, you know, while in my my craft, and this will, you know, sit very nicely. When you oh. get an influx of water damage voltas from this podcast, <laughs> we're not we're not held responsible. Kayaker, yeah, I, I don't I don't mean to encourage kayakers to start picking up the volta, but uh, yeah, I can definitely find, see a place for this. Putting it right inside your life jacket is nice. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, it should be you know at least a little bit water resistant because the outer surfaces are wax finished. Not not the inner surfaces, just the outer surfaces are all uh, finished with beeswax. So that does provide some, uh, you know, water resistance. Wow. Well, that's just one more. Is there a is there anything you recommend for someone to uh, to re uh, not refinish but reseal it from time to time? Yeah. Uh, any wax wood finish will work. I mean, you can get it at your hardware store. I think we offer some on our website. We used to have it up. Um, we use Mylans. Mylans is like a premium brand for beeswax uh, wood finish. <laughs> it's like uh, beeswax dissolved in toluene or something like that. And, and how often do you, do you recommend it gets uh, reapplied? Not that often. I mean, wax is a very durable finish, and we try to put a lot on there. Um, so, you know, just if you notice that it's becoming dry or something, 
Um, I, I'm not sure how long the, the wax lasts. I mean, it lasts a long time. I've had a, a number of pipes that have been waxed, and they're they're still just fine. Um, if someone if someone wants to pick up a vapor genie or a volta, or they even have any questions for you before they grab one, what's the what's the best way of getting in contact with you? Uh, email. Email. Uh, yeah, Dan at Vapor Genie, or you, or you can contact us through our website. You know, we're usually pretty good about responding. And if you guys could uh, get on Twitter too, I, I always tweet you guys, but there's no one on the other end of my uh, <laughs> yeah, my, right, yeah. <laughs> my hashtag I don't know, man. I don't understand. I don't understand 20, Twitter. The whole 140 characters thing. I, I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> amazing, amazing uh, portable vaporizer runs with LiPo batteries, and we have the link to your product page. It's it's a simple advertisement in, in short uh -huh. words, but um, it's it's nice to be able to communicate with you know some of the manufacturers. I know you know some of the other guys have. Tweeted back to us. Um, for anyone interested in following us, though, at Vapor Review Blog, uh, give us a follow. We're, we'll definitely give you a follow back and uh, interact with you guys. I found. Okay, yeah, maybe maybe we'll get a Twitter account. Right. My, my my vocabulary has gotten significantly worse since I started using Twitter because I'm not allowed to <laughs> I'm not allowed to use any big words, too many letters. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's it's kind of not really in my nature to be so brief. I usually uh, like to give detailed explanations. Well, for this podcast, uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, this has been really candid. I think we learned uh, learned a few new secrets right here. Some some uh, some new uh, products in store for the future. That screw-on cap looks really cool. So now we're basically having something that provides regulated uh, heat control for your original Vapor Genie Classics. I think that's gonna be excellent. And uh, maybe hey, people. Are you talking about the, the, the heater unit that I mentioned that attaches to our pipe? The one that yes. doesn't exist yet, yeah. yes. Yeah, the one that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, it's still, uh, you know, we've been buying parts for it. We're going to try to launch it sometime in 2014. Cool. But so that I, is something we look forward to this year. Because, uh, oh, well, one other thing I wanted to mention is that it's, it's really important to keep the battery caps on the batteries. Um, you know, the, the batteries can short circuit if they bump up against a piece of metal. And that can be kind of dangerous, so the the battery caps help prevent that from happening. These are custom purple battery caps we had made. They're made out of silicone, not PVC rubber, so they they won't leach out phthalates, which are terrible toxic plasticizers that are used in most PVC materials. So, um, so we went the extra mile and had them made out of a uh, silicone. So always keep the uh, silicone battery caps on top of the battery. And uh, always do. And that's because the the whole length of the battery is the negative terminal, right? That's correct. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've had uh, I've had batteries, uh, Magic Flight batteries specifically, short by hitting change in my pocket, and that was unpleasant. It was, exactly. It was really hot too. My my pocket almost caught fire. Yeah, the, I mean the battery can leak if if that I'm, happens. I'm glad I didn't run into that problem. <laughs> And, uh, and even included in the box right there is, again, these the tips that were mentioned by Dan, some of the safety tips about the battery. So do please read. Make sure you're using this device as intended. Don't go ahead and electrocute yourself. Don't burn a hole in your pocket. Keep the battery caps on. All, right. All our batteries come with a little sticker that identifies the battery, uh, identifies the, the technical details of the battery, the battery type. That's new, um, right? How to charge it. Yeah, yeah. The, the original sample that you guys got did not have these stickers, but the new sample, the Volta sample that you're getting, will have the stickers on it, on the batteries. Gotcha. Well, Dan, thank you very much for, for coming on and, and talking about the, the Vapor Genie and the Volta and, and what you're working on. I'm really hoping we can get you on in the future once you have that uh, 
once you have that additional uh, heater for the for the original Vapor Genie out, uh, we're excited to see all of these all of these changes hit the market and hear everybody start talking about all the updated updated Voltas. Anything you want to add before we uh, before we wrap it up? Um, that's I don't know. That's about all I can think of. I I think. <laughs> well, Danny, you've been a great guest. No, for, really. I, I, we've had a lot of insight today. I think um, these fans and people that are contemplating buying a Volta will now be able to put peace of mind, see that the product has been engineered in phases. It's not just uh, version one that they're getting. This is actually, well, I would say, version three. Uh, so this is great uh, right. where the progress is made. If you right, look at yeah. the shelf behind Dan, it's version 43. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, there's lots and lots of prototypes here sitting in boxes, old versions of things and whatever. And when we come up with a new version, we stop, we immediately stop selling the old version and it goes in what we call the Vapor Genie Museum. So we, we have kind of a big museum of parts <laughs> that we're probably never going to use. <laughs> well, always keep innovating, Dan. And again, it's been a pleasure. Uh, King, uh, pleasure too for having you on today. Um, this is Tarzan Boy here signing out. For Vapor Review Blog. Don't forget to check out our site, vaporreviewblog.com. Check us out on Twitter, at Vapor Review Blog. And you can check out Vapor Genie. What's the website, Dan? Uh, www.vaporgenie.com. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks a lot, Dan. Great. Thank you very much. We enjoyed it.